Psychology Nerds. Welcome to Psychology and Stuff, the podcast on psychology out of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. I'm Ryan Martin, host of Psychology and Stuff, and I'm here, as always, with my co-host and my friend, chair of the UW-Green Bay Psychology Program, is Georgina Wilson-Dungess. How's it going, Georgina? It is going fantastic. It is a beautiful uh, autumn day here in Wisconsin, so if you're listening from afar, be jealous, because we are just having a pretty fantastic autumn season here, so you're it's about missing to get it cold, though, I hear. I hear it's ah. about to get cold, isn't it? No? Nah. I was yeah, given permission to start making chili. Uh, my wife doesn't let me, that, let me, that's too strong. She doesn't like it when I make chili in the summer. She says that's not a summer food, that's a fall and winter food. And this week, she said, it's, a, it's, it's go time. We can chill, Lee. We can have chili. <laughs> Well, that, that's fun. So it's like chili start week. And you also had like something else super exciting happen this week. Tell our listeners what's super exciting. So first of all, I need you to know that was a dynamite segue. Outstanding Thank segue. So, Thank you. I wasn't yeah, paid at all for that little segue. <laughs> so I, uh, yes, I have a new book coming out uh, in January, but they, they started uh, launching the, uh, the, the or it's it went on sale this week so it's um it is called why we get mad how to use your anger for positive change and um i started working on it months and months ago but i'm super super excited about it i've got a really amazing team of people helping me with it and it's been a lot of fun so that thank you very so much awesome. for asking congratulations because i know you were working really hard on it and hunter our fantastic intern and i got a chance to catch a glimpse of the cover. What did you think, Hunter? Very, very cool. Yeah. Love the final product. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much. I'm really excited about it. I will, uh, I'll, I'll post some pictures of the cover uh, on, on social soon. I already have, but I'll do it again because it's fun. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's been one of those things that I've wanted to do my entire career and uh, feeling, feeling good about it. That is just awesome. Well, I can't wait to, to read it, and I'm hoping that I get a signed copy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that means I'll have That's to figure out how to spell on your air name. so that everyone just heard that. <laughs> so now you have to. <laughs> I, I'll have to figure out how to spell your name in time. I'm, that's never been. I always have to look it up before. And that's going to be the most embarrassing part about signing it is when I ask to see a business card first. <laughs> Very I'm good. sure you'll figure it out. Well, Hunter, how are you doing? Oh, oh I'm sorry. Just fantastic. Oh, you're doing great. Good. You still working hard? As always. Good. Good. <laughs> and, and how about um, you, G? Good. Still working hard, as always. <laughs> so. I'll let Hunter be the judge of that. <laughs> Well, today I'm so excited that we have um, uh, a fantastic guest with us today. Uh, I have to say that I, um, this, this person, our guest, uh, was recommended for me to like reach out to by two of my favorite people on the whole entire planet. So um, shout out to, to Sierra and Martha for um, shouting out his name to me. And so I am very excited um, to get the chance to interview today. Uh, our guest is Steve Bowie. 
and he is the president and CEO of ERC, uh, which is the premier Wisconsin-based mental wellness and mental health benefit provider. He also um, has his own company, uh, C. Bowie LLC, which is a consulting agency focused on guiding leaders and organizations in being themselves, but greater. Uh, he has more than 25 years, same, uh, uh, years of domestic and international expertise uh, in organizational leadership, development, human resources, and executive level leadership, which I'm super excited to talk about today. So welcome, Steve. We're so happy to have you here. Well, thank you for having me. I uh, <clears throat> Listen, I think there should be a visual component to this show because just watching you guys and the energy you bring is uh, is fun. I think you should just have a little audience section. You can coordinate them off. And every time you do these, <laughs> just let us watch uh, for a little bit. Um, but thank you. Thank you for that nice introduction. I will try to live up to the uh, the bar that you just set. But uh, but thank you. That is great. So um, I I know you're not a psychologist, but you even uh, like uh, have tossed out the word psychology uh, often in the things and the work that you do. So tell us a little bit about um, how psychology relates to the work that you do maybe at ERC, but also in your consulting agency. Like, how do you uh, find that psychology links into what you do? Yeah, um, so that's an interesting question because there's a lot of touch points for me on where the intersects are. Let, let's start with where my bulk of my career was spent, which was 25 years corporate HR. And in corporate HR, you are, I mean, you are the, you are the conscious, you are the moral compass, you are the voice of the employee, you're the voice of the company. And if you don't think there's a behavioral aspect <laughs> to that job, um, you know, every day I used to joke that every day you were doing good if like 60% of the employees liked you and like 60% of leadership liked you. That was, and it's, <laughs> that was your ideal goal. But, you know, HR is the, is the place where if it's done right, where anyone can walk through that door and just tell you what's on their mind, what's happening. And, and you find yourself in these situations where, you know, you can have a profound impact on somebody's life. Um, at a very individual level, a team's level, and then, of course, an organizational level. Now, six years ago, I left that all behind. Um, I, I wouldn't call it a midlife crisis, but it was certainly a, a break point in my career where I didn't want to be part of a corporate structure anymore. I wanted, to, I wanted to make it smaller and more impactful. So the opportunity to buy a mental wellness, mental health benefit company came along, ERC, which has actually been around for 27 years. And... You know, it's, it's traditionally known as an employee assistance program, an EAP. You have vision, you have dental. Most companies have an EAP, the mental health benefit. And while I'm not a counselor, and I always like to start conversations with that, I'm the last guy you want to be talking to about your own mental health and mental wellness. I understood it from an organizational standpoint. I purchased that benefit for employees, and I, ERC was the best partner I ever had. So, you know, it's a bit like the old commercial. I like the company so much I bought it. That's what I did with ERC. And so now it's, it's interesting because it's the same impact, but now you're really touching people in their individual lives. The stuff we see our clients for is the meat and potatoes of life. It's marriage, it's family, it's grief, it's job stress. It's, 
you know, our top five is the top five that everyone touches upon. And so there's that component. And then a year ago, um, I always had coaching and, and leadership development as part of my job. And I had people reach out and say, well, can you help this leader? You know, we have a new executive. And I got into the coaching space. And again, that behavioral piece comes in. And in fact, it's why my tagline for Steve Bowie LLC is be you but greater is because my belief is you don't have to be better. Um, but there's always opportunities for us to be greater in what we do. And, and I like that word greater because you can never say it without getting puffed up a little bit, <laughs> saying that I'm okay. And that's really, that's really what I strive for. So, you know, I'm living the best of a, a couple of different worlds here. I have this organizational experience. I'm a kid from Superior, Wisconsin, and I got to travel and live abroad. And I got to do that for almost 20 years. Now I have a small company that impacts people's lives on a daily basis. And then I get to work with leaders who then have an impact in their own organizations. Well, that is like quite the, the awesome journey. Uh, so it, it makes me think like, what would you tell a graduate of UWGB's psychology department? Like, what did they say to you? Like they, they have a uh, have coffee with you and virtually of course, mm -hmm. right. In these days. <laughs> and they say, you know what? I want to do what you do. <laughs> how, how does a, a psychology grad find their way um, to something like what you do? That's a, another very good question, Georgina. Um, you know, I, I got a couple of different things. Number one is you're graduating from college. Most likely you're in your 20s. You know, I, I realize there's some, I don't know if you still use non-traditional students as a, as a moniker. Um, but, you know, there's so much opportunity. I, was, I have a client right now, uh, younger in their career, and they've been with the company for a couple of years. And they're like, listen, I can see myself spending the rest of the time here, but if I don't know if that's the right thing to do. And I'm never in a position to tell a client, my coaching clients, what to do. It's only to help them think through options. But I'm like, listen, I, there's a comfort in where you're at, but the world is so vast and there's so many different opportunities. And when you get to my age, you get to 50, your risk tolerance really drops. <laughs> you know, I, like that sounds really great, but I got a mortgage and I got a, you know, I got a daughter and a wife and you know, the taxes like to be paid on a regular basis. And um, and so that, that risk tolerance, but when you're coming out, there's so many, and especially you get in psychology, there's so many different flavors and variations to what you can do with that degree. You know, in my corporate career, what really I learned from was industrial psychologists. I had no idea that those two words went together <laughs> until I started working for my first global company. And these people were, I mean, they were brilliant. And in fact, I had my own coaches. I had a couple of coaches for a while, industrial psychologists, and what they really to give to me as a leader in a business sense. Now, through ERC, I'm working with clinical psychologists, right? And so now you have this whole other different aspect that comes along with it. Ryan, I'm excited as hell to read your book. You know, <laughs> that's a, you know I... Um, I won't ask for the signed copy. I'll, I'll go, I'll order it off of wherever you want me to. I'll make sure everyone gets the royalties off of it. But you know, Not I know me. in talking <laughs> with you, yeah. 
and talking with you, Georgina, you know, you, what you're teaching and all those. So there's, I guess, point number one is what you think the definition of what psychology is when you graduate from college is any close to what you're going to learn about it. And unfortunately, time offers the best experience, right? You, you, can't, you can't fast forward 10 years and have that experience without going through 10 years. So to be open to opportunities. Now, the stuff that I'm doing, I cheated. I, people say, oh, you're an entrepreneur. No, I'm at best a remodeler. I bought a company. It already was there. It had 21 years under its belt. My rule number one is don't screw it up. It was fine before you bought it. But now to combine that idea of behavioral health and put it in an organization and have it treated as a benefit you know, it's a Rubik's cube of, of possibilities. And my goal through that organization, through ERC, is to make mental health in the same plane as we would talk and treat our physical health. I would love to hear someone say, hey, Steve, you know, again, when we go back to normal and we're able to do things face-to-face -face again, I'd love for someone to say, hey, Steve, you, you want to grab a drink after work? And, and you know, and my response is, yeah, I'd love to, but I, I'm going to see you in my counselor tonight. I'll have to get a rain check. You know, we have no problem saying, yeah, I got a physical therapy appointment. Or I'm going to see my chiropractor or, you know, oh, I'm a, you know, whatever the physical health manifestation is, we talk about it freely. You want to hear about my rotator cuff surgery from a year and a half ago? I'll give you 20 <laughs> minutes on it. I'll show you the scars. But to then admit that same level with, a, with somebody about my mental wellness and mental health is quite different. And so my goal through ERC is to get people comfortable with the idea of mental health. It's one operating system. You don't have physical health unless you have mental health. You don't have mental health unless you have physical health. The third piece, my consulting work, you know, that's just, that's just doing a lot of things wrong in leadership for many years and figuring out better ways of doing it. And now working with people to say, hey, here's what I learned. Here's my, here's my tips or tricks. Or to be a neutral third party to say, well, have you thought about this? What would you do different if you were ever faced with that situation again? So those are, whatever student asked that question is probably sound asleep by now, but there, that would be my answer. Well, you know, it's interesting when you, I was thinking, I've been thinking about this a lot lately in terms of um, suicide awareness, but also in terms of mental health awareness. I think just uh, over the weekend was mental health awareness day yeah. or something along those yeah. lines. And, um, I've been thinking about just what the barriers are to getting care. And you nicely addressed one of them. You, you talk about stigma um, being one of those. And I do actually think we're making progress there. I do hear more people sort of speaking of it the way you just said. I was actually listening to another podcast just recently and both the hosts, both celebrities talked about how their therapy has been going during uh, COVID. And it was really interesting to sort of hear them talk about it as openly as they were. Um, it's a, a big change from how, where things were, say, even oh, yeah. 20 years ago. But that's not the only barrier, right? And I feel like a, a lot of your work is, is about addressing a lot of the barriers. That's literally all I do all day, Ryan. That's my job at ERC. What happens inside the counselor's office is, is up to people much smarter than me. I'm responsible for what happens outside of that office. And you know, what, what does stand in people's way? Number one is that stigma. And I look at, you know, Hunter's generation here, you know, they're, they're breaking down those barriers. They're talking about their, their mental health. Uh, by the way, I see a counselor right now. 
uh, it's been a while. It's actually been a couple of years, but I'm going to tell you this summer, man, we resurrected that relationship and <laughs> I, I love her. Um, and because, you know, who else gets to listen to me just pile all my problems out for 50 minutes and like really helps me come up with a plan to how I can work through them and gives me that confidence and that comfort in knowing I can get through this. There's a, I have a partner. So that's number one. Number two is cost. You know, you look at marriage counseling. Marriage counseling is not covered by most insurance plans. And if you're looking at a private pay, you're 175 bucks an hour. You know, you figure at a starting, you know, and you're figuring what, four, six, eight, just to make a dent, just to get going. So what, name a couple that has 1,500, 2,000 bucks lying around that they're gonna decide between groceries, the kids' braces, or their relationship. Um, you have accessibility. So most behavioral health centers right now, four, six, eight weeks in order to wait to get into an appointment. Um, imagine you're in a situation where you finally decide for the first time in your life, you're gonna reach out for help. That you're gonna pick, I've always said the two toughest things in counseling is for someone to pick up the phone and then someone to get out of their car and go to the appointment. Those are the two toughest points because you don't know what's on the other side of that door. You don't know what it's gonna be like if you've never experienced it. But imagine that you finally make that phone call and they say, yes, we can help you. We're looking into late November, early December right now. You know, this being October 13th for an appointment. And so that's one of the guiding principles at ERC is that we always have appointments available within three days of the phone call because I know what it's like to wait. And I go back to that, that stigma because then there's also confidentiality as well. So not only is it the stigma of having to seek care, but then who's going to know about it as well? Who's going to have that access to my file? Who's going to read through and say, wow, there's something wrong with them? You know, so you put that all together and it's just a recipe for a lot of people going around carrying a lot of mental health burdens that are holding them back from their full potential. You know, there's, you may, this is a fairly well-known study, but there's a, a study out there that was done a long time ago that, that essentially found that, you know, it, that making that phone call that you talked about um, led to an immediate change in mood in, in clients or, up, you know, potential clients. So that, that making that call and just that it's simply the fact that they were doing something to get help meant something. And so, you know, but that study was done 20 plus years ago. I wonder if it would be different now, to your point, if, if, get it, if making that call and discovering that, well, yeah, I did something, but it's going to be two months, if that, uh, if that changes the impact there, I would have to think it would. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Because, listen, it's easy. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a very competitive business. Um, Short-term mental health counseling as a benefit has become commoditized over the years. It's a race to the cheapest. Right. And there's a lot of different reasons for it. Um, we're a top tier benefit. We, we don't we don't compete on price. It's quality and service. We do good counseling and we get you in so you can experience good counseling. But the the larger suppliers now have call centers and it's like a call center for anything else. You don't have a trained you don't have someone with most likely they're not even degreed in a behavioral health field. They're following a script. And don't even get me started on now the, the, uh, the texting and, and the tech firms 
You know, New York Times came out with a great article probably a month ago that, surprised these tech firms are using it to mine data. It's not about mental health. It's about collecting data on people. Uh, 80% of those companies that are working in that virtual uh, and even non-face-to-face space are sharing the data with somebody outside of the organization. And that's some scary stuff. So... I think you're right, Ryan. It's kind of like, it goes along the same research that went out there that said planning a vacation is actually (laughs) just as relaxing and fun as the actual vacation. I think that used to hold true for for counseling, but I think some of the practices that have been been implemented since have, have really, really put some barriers up to that. Now, I will give you a little interesting anecdote about COVID, um, at least in our business at ERC, is that people, we are doing a lot more of what I call counseling in the moment, where somebody is calling and they're at a level where they get transferred immediately to a counselor and they're doing 30, 40 minute session mm-hmm. and the person's like, and then they get to the end, do you want to make an appointment? Nope, I'm good. I just need it. So it's this in fact, we're trying to figure out how do we actually set up a system so that we never have, it's not a catch the call type, but we're actually a, a slotting a certain amount to those counseling in the moment sessions that aren't crisis, but they're all also not necessarily booking an appointment out either. That's really interesting. I've, I have many friends who are still, who are working clinicians and have talked about what this change has meant. And you know, it's so interesting in, in terms of, you know, I've been very focused this year on how so many of the teachers who work at UW-Green Bay are having to relearn how to teach uh, as well as everywhere else. But, you know, there are other professions that have had to relearn how to do what they do and, and clinicians are, are certainly in that boat. Yeah. Absolutely. And I think um, you have a, a, an opportunity uh, to maybe affect some change while we're doing this like so that when we do change or when clinicians um, practice differently that it's different in a good way you know like you had the opportunity right now to slide in there and kind of make change for good Um, and I think that that's really important uh, to imagine and it's also important that we support each other so that we have the capacity to think about big change, because I don't know about you, but like during this whole COVID situation, like working from home, it's hard to start something new and big. Mm-hmm. Do you do you find that that's true? Like it's it's hard to be you greater. Like, it's hard. Well, I always, so my coaching, and again, remember, Steve's not a counselor; he just owns a counseling agency. <laughs> But what I tell people on, on, on the consulting side is, listen, you get to, and I have absolutely no research to back this up, but you get to, I think the age 40, you're getting locked into your ways. You're, you're, you figured out what kind of works for you. You know where your ruts are. And I always tell my clients, listen, we're not going to change who you are. What we're going to do is we're going to turn the dials plus or minus 10%. You know, that's, that's what we can do. And really what my coaching about is to make, especially around leadership, to make what makes you feel good. Because everything we do is satisfying that inner, inner need first and the outer need second. 
it's to make that inner need, how you respond to it, more palatable to a larger audience. So it's not changing it like, oh, I need to go tell someone not to do that anymore. You're right? okay, well, yelling at them and pounding your fist on the table may make you feel that you've underlined the importance of it, but now let's look at it from the other side and how can we communicate that same message, but in a slightly different way. And so with my coaching, what I've done is what used to be a lot of face-to-face -face, moving to virtual, um, I've actually found it now to be much more in the moment because of the accessibility. I don't have to drive the 30 minutes. I don't have to put the appointments on either side. Now I put that over at ERC, you know, in April, we went to full telephonic and then we went to full virtual uh, for, for our sessions. And we had it in our strategic plan. All we did was leapfrog a year and a half in our strategic plan. We were going to have full virtual and the capabilities of virtual at the beginning of 2021. Um, we just had to do it in four and a half weeks and we got it going. And, you know, at counselors at first, man, they weren't, I love, I love my counselors, please. I, they are the greatest people in the world. But one of the interesting facts buying ERC was change isn't always their strong suit <laughs> that they're really good at guiding others through it, but you got to kind of walk them through the same process when it comes to change. And so we had to move so quickly and they had to adapt some. And, and really what we ended up doing was we just had a lot of time where people just got to unload all their frustrations with it and share their tips. Um, and I, 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 listen, I'm still, you know, I, it, I was a couple minutes to late to this today. Cause I was like, Oh crap, I didn't, I got to close this and open this and I got to make sure I do this. And I'm sure if my 11 year old came down here, she would have been dad and like had it ready to go in three seconds. You know, ultimately, you know, we are all in a situation where all everyone right now, this is one of the best things one of my counselors told me. Anytime someone uses the word COVID, verb, noun, adjective, whatever you want to do it, just replace it in your head by saying what they're really saying is they're anxious, they're, they're fearful, and they have a high level of uncertainty, right? They, they, and I'm, I use those three, anytime someone says, well, COVID, I just go, oh, you're anxious, you're feeling lost, and you're uncertain. And with leaders, I've said, you do that, man, you're gonna seem like the most empathetic person that's walking <laughs> around. But don't think for a second that not every single person you interact with is impacted by this, right? And yourself as well, oh. for sure. <laughs> I did answer the, someone asked that, you know, the question, so Steve, how you doing? I said, you know, if it wasn't for the pandemic recession and mental health crisis. <laughs> That'd be great. Good yeah. time. <laughs> Absolutely. Very good. Well, are, are there um, any other things that you want to tell us uh, about um, ERC or that um, leadership that we would share with our listeners that you think would be important for them to know? Um, number one, and I'm, I'm going to say this from an industry perspective, you know, from, a, from the counseling field. There are not enough counselors. Uh, Wisconsin went from, uh, we were, I can't remember, don't quote me on this. I wanna say, if you go back 10 years, we were eighth in the nation in terms of mental health resources. You know, that, that we had, 
can't remember the right ratio, but it's something like for every one citizen of Wisconsin, we had like 250, I'm sorry, reverse that. For every 250 citizens of Wisconsin, we had a mental health resource. And that's considered, I don't know who comes up with these formulas, but that was like a good mix. We now rank 35th in the country when it comes to mental health resources. I wanna say that something like 40, 50 counties are, are deemed of not having, not even adequate, but just a deficit of mental health resources. People have nowhere to go. There are not enough people in this field. And I understand from an HR perspective, I get it. <clears throat> to be a, you know, to be a licensed clinician, you need a bachelor's, a master's, 3,000 clinical hours. You got to pass three really hard exams. Uh, well, two and one's open book, but then you got to, <laughs> right? And then you can actually practice. Then you can actually get into where you're making some money. You can pay off all that student debt. And, you know, I, I love the newer counselors because they come in like, I'm going to save the world. And then they go, wow, you really don't pay me that much to do that. <laughs> <laughs> and so my, my thing is, is to say, listen, we need to, we need to figure out collectively. And that's why I was so happy to participate in this today, because I want ERC to have a much stronger relationship with your programs because we need to get, we need, this is not, we can't fix it alone. Behavioral health can't fix it alone. We got to get more people in this industry. We got to get more people to realize the different flavors and, and options that are available. You know, listen, I, this isn't criticism, but no one teaches EAP counseling, <laughs> right? There's, there's no discipline called EAP, short-term motivational strengths-based counseling. We, we work in that four to eight session model. And so to, to teach more of it. So that's the first part. The second, which is a subset of that is we got to get more diversity, equi equity, and inclusion into that as well. Absolutely. Because for the, for the percentages, if you look at, you know, anyone who's non-Western European, <laughs> you know, uh, in, in Northeastern Wisconsin, even though they're very small percentages, they're not represented in the mental health field. Yep. Right? And I, I'm, a, I'm the husband and, and father of a transracial family. My daughter is black. And it pains me that in our own family-owned business that she can't see herself in yep. our company. And I am doing everything I can to change that. But I got to go back and we got to work on this in the high schools, in the bachelor programs, and so forth. So those are my two things. Number one is we need more resources. We got to expose them to all the different opportunities. And then number two, we got to pay particular close attention to the, to that diversity student. And, and again, you know, it's not just showing up to the dance, but it's actually being invited to dance, right? Absolutely. And we, we are, we hear you. Yeah. <laughs> and we, uh, as a, as a university, but specifically, the psychology department, we're working hard. We are Indeed. working hard. I'm curious to know, what do you think, because I was thinking about that as you said it, and you, you talk about the clinical hours and you talk about all of that. I'm trying to figure out actually what the roadblocks are, because we, I mean, we put, we have a gajillion students who wants to go that direction. I, I don't know where exactly in the process they maybe either get burned out or they get stopped from going that, I actually suspect one of them is finding that there aren't enough doctoral programs putting people out. I wonder if that's part of what's, um, what is slowing things down. Yeah. 
I think that's a part of it. You know, the residency programs, mm -hmm. few and far between. You know, for our, for our clinicians, that's one of the things we, we had to put a residency program in place. Mm. Um, and Georgina and I have talked about that and we're going to be having another conversation very soon. <laughs> I'm looking to feed our residency program again. Uh, we got to get, in fact, I'm proud to say that two years ago, ERC put more licensed clinicians in the Northeastern Wisconsin than any other organization. Um, and we're, we're 25 employees. I mean, that's a, like, that's not good. I'm not proud of that. I'm looking around going, I'm pretty sure there's other organizations here that could be cranking out more. Um, but it's opportunities. It's making sure that people, you know what, there's a livable wage as they're going through that. Yes. You know, right. 3,000 hours, your normal full-time employee works 2080. So that's, even if you were to fall into a program that every hour counted, you're still well over a year. Now, I'm not saying shorten it up, right? That's, no. listen, you can, you, we all know, you know, it's kind of like physicians, you know, who's the, what do you call the guy graduated last in med school, right? It's still, still doctor, right? <laughs> we all know you got to make sure that there's plenty of hours to get people certified and qualified, but it's getting, it's looking at and saying, how do we make sure that we, again, remove the roadblocks and the stigma, or not the stigma, but the, the cost Right. Um, it comes along with that. Right. Well, that's one of the things I was thinking about. So, you know, if you, there are programs that take tons and tons of students. Those programs are expensive. Um, and, and as you said, the cost, not just to get into some, to, to pay for the education itself, but, but to get through the, the four to five to six years that it takes to go through all that is, is something. Yeah. Uh, Absolutely. It's going to be, a, you know, a co-op the line. It's going to be a village, right? We right. all got to work together. The, the nonprofits, the for-profits, the, the educational system, you know, I, I'm confident the answer is out there. The problem is right now, I'm calling every day in almost every communication I have, I'm calling it. It's a mental health crisis right now. Yes. That, that is what we are in the middle of, whether people recognize it or not. And we need to, I think that's both a challenge and an opportunity. Absolutely. Well, thank you very, very much. Um, I, I learned so much. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to be uh, thinking about this conversation uh, for, for quite a while. Um, so we normally end our podcast uh, with a, a positive note. Uh, and we like to leave ourselves and our listeners uh, to think about something positive. So Ryan? Have you got something positive to, to share with us today? I do, but it actually stems from a story you told me earlier about Steve. So did you want to share that story quick? Yes, I will. So we were thinking about, um, in our positive note, thinking about unexpected um, kindnesses that, and how that can really boost a, a person um, when they least expect it. And so for me, I was telling uh, Ryan and Hunter earlier um, that I, I met you, I had never met you, but these two uh, friends of mine suggested that we get coffee and we did. And then after that meeting, you sent me two books, like, like out of the blue. Uh, and it was um, such a kindness because I didn't realize that I needed to read these books. Um, but when I read them, I was like, wow, he, 
he knew exactly what I needed <laughs> at that time, even though I didn't know I needed that. And that unexpected kindness has really stuck with me. And I've tried to do the same for others. And so is that pay it forward uh, thing as well? Is that kindness um, made me want to do more kind things for others? So thank you uh, for, uh, for that. And Just so you know, it's now, it's now going to be three books. I'm going to have Ryan's book in there as well. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> I was going to say, this is just Georgina putting in another plug to get a free book from me. So, yeah. <laughs> so this, this got us that. talking. What about you, Ryan? Yeah, so this got us talking earlier about uh, unexpected kindnesses. And lately, because, so this, this episode is going to come out in early November, but... Um, as we're recording, it is in Halloween season. And my neighborhood, I, I live in a small neighborhood. I live in a cul-de-sac off a cul-de-sac off another cul-de-sac somehow. So my, my house is hard to find. But my, we have a real close neighborhood here. And lately, the kids have in our neighborhood have been booing houses, meaning they ring the doorbell, leave and run off so it's basically ding dong ditch but they leave a, a gift for you on the uh, on the front stoop and um it's been it's candy it's halloween themed things um and th this is something my neighborhood's done for years but this year uh, i'm just noticing a lot more people playing along and a lot more um, i think getting some of the families that even that don't have kids or have um, kids who are already in college I, I see those families getting involved and um, i suspect a lot of it has to do with covid meaning the uncertainty the anxiety and uh, i can't remember the third thing. <laughs> um, but i think a lot of it has to do with that but um, it's really been uh, been making me happy you know is every now and then the doorbell rings and i'll be honest a lot of times when the doorbell rings that's not a good thing i sort of feel like oh somebody's trying to sell me something or it's political i don't know and so it's been fun to open it up and see a, a bag of candy laying there for me so the other thing i should say is i'm trying to get this to be a thing for the winter holidays coming up here so i'm hoping for um i thought it was i thought it was a thing and i went around and asked my kids what do we call it when they bring things around at christmas and you know new year's or whatever it's not a thing it doesn't happen in my neighborhood so um and hunter and i tried to tell you that did we not hunter we were like uh you know like the halloween thing getting booed that's what it's called that's a thing but then ryan came up with his own version in his mind Bringle? called getting jingled. <laughs> There's like, that is not a thing. And no, Hunter back yeah. me up, right? Yeah. <laughs> I, I went in, you know, the nice thing about working virtually is my entire family's here. And so I went from kid's room to kid's room to my wife down in the basement where she's working and said, uh, hey, it's a thing, right? When people bring stuff at, at Christmas and they leave it on the porch and they said, no, that's not a thing. And I said, can we call it, isn't it getting jingled? To which Reese said, you can call it that if you want, but I wouldn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> so this is not a thing, but I want it to be a thing. So this, uh, this winter, uh, we're gonna do some uh, holiday neutral ding dong ditch where we drop off presents. Is that a good name for it? Holiday neutral ding dong ditch. <laughs> so, it's, it's slightly worse than getting jingled, but I, you know, I don't know. <laughs> Well, but I think we could work on it. I okay. think it could be a thing. I, uh, I, I think Hunter and you and I, I think we can do anything. So yep. 
we can do this, right, Hunter? Of course we can. <laughs> and I'm, for the record, I'm not stopping at New Year's, right? So St. Patty's Day right around the corner. We got Valentine's Day. We got all these holidays coming up. I'm just going to go dropping stuff off at people's houses. There you go. Just as a note, my birthday's in February. So you could just work that in right between Valentine's Day and St. Patrick's Day. Georgina's birthday. Ding I, dong ditch. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I know your birthday's in February, but I admit I don't remember the exact date. I have it written down. So. Yeah. Mine's coming up, you know. Just, just saying. It is. <laughs> so you better start putting together my, uh, my present package. <laughs> it's a biggie, too. I've got a biggie coming up. We, uh, so yeah. Anyways, all right. Um, any any final thoughts, Steve? Before we uh, before we call it a day here. I I uh, just got two things. One again, I think you got to open this up to a wider visual audience. <laughs> I Hearing it is one thing. I went back, listened to a couple episodes to got a feel for you know what it was, but I think the visual aspect of this alone uh, is worth a small price of admission. So. <laughs> Another revenue stream will do that. And then I'd be remiss if I didn't do my shout out to uh, Sierra and Haley uh, products of the fine UW Green Bay psych program and, um, and very fortunate to have them at ERC. So. They are Absolutely. great. So, yep, shout they outs are. from us back to them as well. Yes, tell them that we miss them, but we're glad they're doing great things. <laughs> Steve, if people want to learn more about your coaching or if they want to just uh, learn more about you more generally, where's a, where's a good place to find you? So I'll, I'll give you two. Um, the uh, ERC website, we are ercincorp.com, E-R-C-I-N-C-O-R-P.com. I hate it, but it's what we have and it's on like 20,000 cards, so I can't change it easily. <laughs> ercincorp.com, that's the ERC website. And then stevebowie.com, Bowie, B-A-U-E, is, uh, is my um, consulting website. Uh, I, am, I was disappointed, if you remember a couple of years ago when they started Titletown next door to Lambeau, uh, the people that they were squatting on the titletown.com website and they wanted like $750,000 and season tickets for life and all this other stuff. And I went out that day and I'm like, I wonder who has stevebowie.com? Nope, nobody. nobody. Nobody wanted it. It was free. <laughs> they just gave it to me. It just said here. <laughs> so ercincorp.com is erc, stevebowie.com is mine. Awesome. Allegedly, allegedly, that's one of the reasons why the uh, Washington football team has not yet yeah. uh, selected a new name is that people are squatting on all the possibilities. So there have been, yeah. Wow. So people have been doing it for years. So, all right. Um, let's see, Hunter, Georgina, do you have anything to add as we finish up? I do not. Nope. Awesome. Well, thank you all so much, Steve. It has been really, really great to talk to you. Fascinating, fascinating stuff uh, from both the ERC perspective and the coaching perspective. I've really enjoyed this. So thank you. Thank um, you. Another quick thank of Hunter. You can see Hunter's work firsthand if you give us a follow at Psych and Stuff on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. A good place to ask questions, request topics for episodes, even contribute to the new segment, A Positive Note. You can follow me at RyeCMart on Twitter and other places. Georgina, where are you? You can find me at 
Georgina W.D., so G-E-O-R-J-E-A-N-N-A-W-D. So that's how you spell it, Ryan, for when you sign my book. <laughs> Thank you very much. All right. Psychology and Stuff is a production of Phoenix Studios at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. The executive producer is Ryan Martin and the production manager is Kate Farley. Our audio production coordinator is Bill Salek. Our sound engineer for this episode is Sarah Miller. Our graphic designer is Kimberly Bleese and our intern is Hunter Garrett. Special thanks also to our guest today, Steve Bowie. If you haven't already, please make sure to rate, review, and subscribe to us on your favorite podcast platform. You can also head over to our website, uwgb.edu slash podcast, to check out past episodes of this and all our shows. I'm your host, Ryan Martin, and I'm here with my co-host, Georgina Wilson-Dundas, Ian Amazing. Amazing.